Are you recording on your side? Yes, I just clicked Hi. recording right now. Oh, fantastic. All right, let's give, uh, let's give another 30 seconds or so for people to join in, and then we'll start. All right. Let's see. Do we have uh, Thaisa in here? Uh, we'll let her know. And we should have uh, uh, one more guest that I'd love to have in, a very special guest. Uh, I want to announce, me just make a couple announcements on the guest today. So we have myself, um, Mike Townsend, the CEO of Otter Labs. Uh, I started Otter about two years ago after working with developers down in Argentina for my startup called Home Hero. We had, uh, we had about 60 people in the company. We raised $23 million from great investors in California. And we had an amazing engineering team based in Argentina. And when we sold the company, it was really, it was, it was good and bad. It was unfortunate because the acquirer was a healthcare company. And back in 2017, Healthcare companies in the U.S. really couldn't see a way to build remote teams, so they wanted everyone in-house, and that was a big issue for people that were out of the country, especially. And so, I had a great relationship with with uh, the developers that we had on the team, and so I started out as a way to connect the developers to other companies, other founders that I knew that were hiring, and that just kind of snowballed into where we are today, which is we now have in this group close to eight hundred people in this channel and uh i pray jenny the rest of the team have spoken to a lot of a lot of the folks in here so i'm really excited to to build up this community and a big part of our mission too i want to mention off the top is that our initial foray our initial focus is connecting clients companies which are usually early stage funded startups working on disruptive industries we connect those with uh, people down in south america specifically focusing on argentina to really diversify the team, to allow people access to amazing opportunities at fast-growing companies. But really, as I see the globalization of our workforce and our economy unfolding, we're going to have investment opportunities from investors in the U.S. focused on other parts of the world. Because as of right now, most of the investment in the U.S. goes to other U.S.-focused companies. But I meet so many incredibly talented and motivated people in South America, specifically in Argentina, uh, that want to build their own company. They want to get funding. They want to get high, maybe get hired, get experience at early stage companies so they can then start their own company. So a big part of our mission is to build educational tools, start to create a network of people, and eventually figure out what are the, what are the people who want to build these companies, who see opportunities in your hometown or your home country, and use me, use Otter, as a way to connect to great investors, as a way to hire other engineers and get funding that you need, get the advisorship that you need. So with that said, we're really just getting started. And uh, you know, thanks again to the people who have supported us so far. Um, and with that said, I want to introduce a guest today, Paula. Paula was one of the early recruiters that we had join us on the team, and she's been instrumental. I'm sure many of you listening have interacted with her, and if you haven't, she's just a, a great voice to what we're doing and overall just connecting people in South America to, to great opportunities. I think recruiting often doesn't get the credit that it deserves. It's often overlooked in some sense or looked at as, uh, you know, just kind of um, a thing that, that 
is always available, but it takes a lot of hard work from the recruiters who spend many hours going through candidates, talking to clients. And at the end of the day, when you know when you end up working at a great company, and it's because of a recruiter's effort, it uh, you know I think it really it can make a world of difference. It can change your life to get a great opportunity. So Paula, with that said, thank you for jumping on today, and, and I'm excited to dive in and ask you a few questions. Yeah, sure. Thank you, Mike, for the interaction. Uh, you'll be very kind with the recruiters. We are, uh, uh, as I said, we are the same um, amount of uh, recruiters as uh, developers are, because you have to struggle with other recruiters and collaborate with other recruiters uh, for the great uh, jobs. And here with, I work with Libby, with Libby Company. I haven't I haven't seen any of my candidates that I have introduced yet, but I'm sure some of them will join us. Uh, and well, I work with Libby, and I worked uh, with Libby for like the last four years, and uh, we started working with the market Spain. And myself, I've been very attracted, uh, always a had an attraction for working with great companies in US because I see the opportunity here in Argentina. And a lot of people want to work with um, USA companies, but it's hard uh, for us to to get in contact with those companies because they are so huge. And I live in, um, in a place in Argentina that is uh, Patagonia and it's very far away from Buenos Aires. And it's hard for me to to travel to meet the clients. So uh, get to know to Otelab, it's a great uh, opportunity for us. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and Paula, uh, where are you based? Where do you live now? What city? Uh, I live in Vision Angostura. If you can Google it, uh, Vision Angostura is a place. Well, it's a great place to work because <laughs> yeah. I live in the mountains and I have a lot of lakes. And I can be online from here to the wall <laughs> if, uh, <laughs> if everything is okay and the switch off uh, and the switch off while I finish my yeah. work is great because I have like, well, mountains, lake and all That's the, beautiful. Uh, yeah. And on, on summer is great. On spring is great. Also in, in winter that the snows. So mm -hmm. I love it here. And, and Paul, let's jump into uh, some topics here. The first thing I want to ask you is you've been doing recruiting for a while. And the general process as a recruiter is that you'll develop a relationship with a client, which is a company that is looking to hire someone. Usually they, they're, I've seen that they are typically focused on a specific geographical area. So it may be South America, it may be specific to a country. Um, and it's usually based on time zone. It's based on if there's an existing network that they have. Um, the first thing I want to ask you is how do companies typically decide where they want to focus their geographic aim in hiring? Or, or is that even true? Do you see some companies say, I'm going to hire anyone anywhere in the world? Or how do recruiters generally, how do companies rather, how do they focus on a specific area? How do you think they choose? Well, nowadays it's a uh, hard question to, to be answered because uh, 2020 has changed uh, a lot of things, but I think mainly because of money. Uh, if we want to hire, our, um, which is the the the, the less expensive, uh, um, I, I I miss the word in English, but this is the less expensive. I think not in 
region or place to work it's like mm -hmm. oh, i have a trouble it's with a, english today it's <laughs> kind of well I, I i let me fill in where i and feel free to speak spanish i'm sure most of the people listening <laughs> spanish uh, not too much because i i my solo uh, espanol hablo solo un poco uh, but i think you're getting at this idea that there's what's called an arbitrage if if you live in an expensive city like san francisco you need yes. to be making at least a hundred thousand us dollars per year just to afford an apartment just to be able to go out to eat once in a while and pay your bills and you know live and but if you live in a much less expensive place typically there hasn't been the job opportunities that they once were but due to covid and and our our globalization on the internet now companies working remote the opportunities it's hard to under estimate it's hard to fully express how explosive this change has been in the last year there are companies like twitter facebook there are major companies that have thousands and thousands of employees and hundreds and thousands of these companies that are going fully remote and the first thing that happens is they say you can come into the office part-time and that still restricts the geographic area that the employees can be Right. So they can come in two days a week, but they have to live within the area. But now I've seen my brother, for instance, is a founder of a company called Cameo. They just raised a hundred million dollars, billion dollar valuation. They were all in Chicago. There were hundreds of people in Chicago. Once COVID happened, they were completely remote. And through us, they're now hiring developers in Argentina, South America, even parts of Europe. And it that 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 opportunity now is just completely distributed, which is just from my perspective, it's just, it's got to be the biggest impact from COVID that there is. Yes. The yes. Economic opportunity. Yes. Uh, sorry, I interrupt you, but yes, that's the thing I wanted to tell you. The, the thing is that it's less expensive to hire people here in Argentina because you're earning dollars and you spend in pesos and it's quite inexpensive for them. But uh, 2020 has changed that. I mean, um, uh, from Spain, they couldn't hire here in Argentina, and in 2021, now they can hire. So it has changed a lot. So I I agree with you what you have said eloquently. Yeah. Uh, another thing I want to I want to ask you is your general process. So you will sit down. You'll have a client that's hiring. Um, what do you look for in a candidate? Other than the obvious, you know, the obvious would be that the skills have to match. Um, what are you? What are what are intangible things that you're looking for uh, that you might see in a in a candidate that that piques your interest, or you know, what do you see in top candidates that maybe other candidates don't have? Okay, uh, I mean, if I have to talk to them, yeah, if I know the the company, I will ask him what is the really his true motivation. And if it's a great match for the company and the and the project, also because there are a lot of um, variables, um, uh, bullets that you have to be a perfect match. Like for example, if you want to work fully remote, you have to have um, other soft skills. Like you, you have to be able to work by yourself. Uh, to don't have any problems with arrange your own schedule. Um, so if you have all that, I mean, you can have a, a remote position, but if you want to have uh, to work as a team and be uh, close to the people, you have to be um, 
I don't know, quite different. <laughs> so I ask really, what are the motivations uh, to be, and I try to be a match there. I don't know if I answered the question right. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and with that, I also want to invite in another guest here, Thaisa. Uh, can you pronounce your full name for me too? I think it's Shiel, Shiel is how you pronounce your last name? Thaisa Shiel? Go ahead, sorry, I think I accidentally muted you. Thaisa, are you there? Okay, yes, I'm here. It's pronounced Thaisa Shiel. Thaisa. And Thaisa, you've, you've been a recruiter for a while. And when we met, I was immediately impressed by the way that you thought about recruiting, the specifically the nuances of it, uh, how quick you were in responding to candidates, the thoughtfulness you gave to placing candidates, which I think has made you very successful. What are things that you look for when you find great candidates? What, what strikes you as a great candidate? Um, well, first of all, uh, I just have to guide myself with LinkedIn profiles. So it's very, very important to have the, the profiles very detailed with your tasks and uh, responsibilities and mainly with the technologies that you have been using. So that's the first approach that we have with candidates. So we can choose better uh, which ones are more suitable for one position or, or another. But then when we reach out to the candidate and we start connecting and, and chatting, uh, well, I think it's very important to be honest, uh, not only from our side on what are we offering to the candidate, but also the candidates to be honest on uh, what are their skills, their strongest uh, technologies or experience, so we can uh, do a perfect match, <laughs> not make him lose the time for the company or the candidates. So that is going to make it a faster process. And then, of course, from my side, from the recruiter side, I think it's very, very important to be uh, warm, to empathize, to try to understand what their interests of the candidates are um, so we can offer what they really want. And also, um, I think it's very important to give as much as information as possible of the project, of the company, of the, the hiring conditions. Uh, that's why what the candidates are used to ask more, uh, for more information. And yeah, that, that's how I am used to work, trying to yeah, share that, all the information I have. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, Thais, I want to go back to you for a second, too. What uh, I'm getting a little bit of background noise. So apologies if there is some, some static here. But Thaisa, what technologies do you see right now being most in demand? Uh, what, what technologies or skills do you see being most in demand and maybe most highest with the highest rates uh, that, that you would encourage other candidates and other developers to learn more about? Uh, Thais, are you able to get that one? There, sorry, I was talking muted. <laughs> sorry. Yes, um, I said that I see a difference in the most demanded uh, positions and well-paid positions because right now the most demanded one is JavaScript. The whole stack of JavaScript, mainly React in the front end and Node in the back end. Those are the ones that are uh, asking every company is looking for a React or a Node developer or a full stack with both. But um, 
they are well paid, yes, but there are others as Golang developer or Python developer that are uh, higher paid. So that's, that is because there are a uh, few people doing that and there are some options, but it's not that the, sorry, I, I don't know if it was confusing, but the, the most demanding is JavaScript, but the most expensive one is um, Python, Golang, also DevOps, um, well, and, and many others, right? But those are the most, the most mm -hmm. high. Yeah, it sounds like with JavaScript being the most in demand. So I think learning JavaScript yeah. because JavaScript is such a it's a, such a fundamental technology. It's a great place to mm -hmm. hone your craft. You know, make sure you know that strongly. We did a little poll uh, before the show, and we asked what topics people would most want to hear. One of the responses we got was how to negotiate. So. Uh, let's put Otter Labs aside for a second and just say, if it, if you if you guys, Paula, Thaisa, if you're working directly with a client and uh, a candidate, if you were in the candidate's shoes, knowing everything you know now, what tips would you give? You know, saying full disclosure, you know, to, you know, give away the secrets. Basically, what would what should candidates be asking? Should they be should they be saying that their rate is a lot higher than it really is? Should they be um, pushing harder uh, on the rates. Um, you know, Paula, Taisa, if either one of you have have thoughts on this, I'd love to hear, you know, what the healthy, productive way is to negotiate from the developer's perspective. Okay, yes, um, I think, as I, as I said earlier, um, I think it's very important to be honest on what you want from a company, from a project, and also what can you bring to the company? And also, which are your real salary expectations? Of course, the candidates will try to make it higher and the company will try to make it lower because it's a win-win situation, right? But I think they have to be honest because maybe for trying to negotiate too high, maybe they can lose the opportunity because they are competing with some other candidates too. So I think what is important for the candidates to ask is what they what can what sorry what can they expect from the company uh, in terms of possibilities in terms of benefits um, type of projects um, trainings or maybe other things that are not just the salary and. Um, I don't know it, it's difficult because it depends on each company uh, budget or in flexibility sometimes it's very um, clear which one is the, the salary and sometimes it depends on the skills of the candidates or the assessment that they have during the process but um, I think that would be it to be honest and yeah settle the, the expectations from the beginning of the process Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And do you think that candidates uh, are, it's in their best interest generally to mention their income first, or should they wait to hear the offer from the, from the client? Um, depends on the flexibility that they have. But if, for example, if they are already um, in, a, in a contractor position earning with, with a good salary, uh, maybe it is important to clarify that from the beginning, because it won't make you lose time uh, doing the whole process when maybe the company has a, a very strict 
top range, uh, top rate that they can offer you more than what you're earning right now, for example. So I think it's important to clarify that from the beginning and maybe say that it is negotiable depending on the benefits or depending on the um, interesting challenges that you can offer. But yes, I think it will make us all lose less time if they clarify that from the beginning. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention on the uh, on the, the other popular response we got from the question of the topic was what tips would you want to, uh, what tips should we give on getting hired? And I think I'll just start the conversation here and we'll probably end on this, this topic here, but tips on getting hired. I've seen a lot of developer profiles and other, other professions as well, other focuses, even like marketing or business development, or I put QA, you know, everything really, the more people have work outside of their specific domain, the better. It's usually a strong indicator if someone has written on Quora, if they just have a, a Twitter account, it doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to spend a ton of time on it. But the more you can, you can diversify your presence. Uh, this is one, this is actually an investor told me this and I, it's really stuck with me. The, the amount of luck you have in your life, how lucky a person is, you can plot this on a graph. It's the area in X, Y axis, imagine an X, Y axis. And on the X axis, you have how good you are at your craft. So if I'm a recruiter, how good I'm a recruiter. If I'm a developer, how good I am at actually coding. And then on the Y axis is how many people know that you're that good. So if a lot of people know that I'm a very good developer, then that area under the graph is going to be very big and I'm going to be very lucky in life. If I'm very good at something, but not a lot of people know, there's not a lot of area underneath that graph. And likewise, if a lot of people know that I'm not very good at something, there's not a lot of area. So I think for developers, if you can, if you can be good at the craft, but also make it known to other people that you're that good. So that would be things like, maybe a YouTube channel, maybe contributing to open source code, maybe answering questions on Quora or tweeting, media articles, Substack, joining this podcast. There's many ways to do it. And I think every, each person has to find what fits their flow. But generally speaking, it's good to allocate some percentage of your week to, to marketing yourself, uh, to, to putting yourself out there on the internet. So if I'd search your name, I would love to see different social handles and places where you've contributed. And yeah, I'm not sure, Paula, if you have any thoughts on this, but uh, ways that people can really differentiate themselves and, and get hired. It seems like, to me, that's a big one. I mean, obviously, there's some basics like having emotional intelligence, but I'm not, I'm not sure how to teach that or uh, if you guys have seen anything, any, any tools or any techniques. <laughs> Paula, why don't, why don't I hear from you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not... Uh, I, I... I'm not a great presence on the web because I'm under Libby, uh, but I work one-to-one uh, -one with the candidates. And well, uh, your CV is crucial uh, when you're applying uh, for a job for me, uh, or your LinkedIn, your LinkedIn has to be updated for the job that you are applying. That's a great tip from me uh, that you can expect. And do you look for design in the CV or do you look for, or do you just purely look at what's on the CV? Is there anything other than the content, other than people's experience? Is there anything about a CV that catches your eye initially, the colors or positions of things or? 
as as well that's hard to say because if i look in for a new x or a new a uh, it's a great uh to have colors and you you can get a domain for other tools but if you're looking for an architect um i mean you have to write quite different so the the thing is that you have to be your cv has to represent you or like you have to be uh quite sure that it's okay that uh, says who you are um that's a great thing for me to find in a in a cv that it's not mm. always uh, uh, the great look and feel but the content is, is right yeah yeah of course the content's got to be right and one thing we do at otter is we require that the the candidates who submit for jobs that they have video interviews so we'll go in and a candidate can record one minute talking about themselves saying you know hey i'm nick bruno and i've been a software developer focusing on javascript or node for the last five years i went to the school whatever it is but it's a great way to just just show who am i what am I like? Let the let the client get a feel for your style, your your little bit of your background as a way to connect on a human to human level, which we've gotten really great feedback from people on the client side that they enjoy just being able to watch a quick video of someone before hopping on a call with them. Um, and I think things like that will start to increase in popularity, the the way that people can express themselves before actually connecting with clients. So, uh, yeah, we're always looking for different ideas, too. Um, with that, I know we're kind of at our time limit. Uh, I want to thank Paula, Thaisa, for you guys for hopping on and giving away a little bit of the secret sauce of recruiting. And uh, I'm sure we'll do another show soon. I think Paula, Thaisa, um, yeah, thank you both for joining and jumping on. Thank you, Mike. Thank, thank you for your time. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank take you. care. We're going to end thank now, and here. we'll have this show up soon. Great and bye-bye. Right. Bye. 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 bye.